episode number 50 what up my boys how are you doing what up what up what are we gonna do to celebrate our 50th episode man all of you guys can send me one bitcoin each and then because <laughs> we have all these millions of listeners i'll have all the bitcoin in the world harsh is going to take his first ever shot today <laughs> everyone starts sending him the bottles he's gonna take a shot from each bottle Harsh don't drink, my friend. <laughs> it would be hilarious to see you drunk. So whenever people get drunk, drunk, so whenever people get drunk, you will see two sides. One person gets super friendly, and they'll be just saying hello to everyone, hugging everyone, the friendly one. And the other person, they get furious. They their mask comes off. They start to do a lot of these power plays. I wonder which drunk you would be if you ever did get drunk. I don't know. I just hope it's not the type where they do a weird drunk dance that gets filmed and put everywhere <laughs> as a funny dance. <laughs> I feel like that would be your sort of drunk. You just start busting out bungra moves. Who knows, man? <laughs> <laughs> man There's a reason I, why I don't drink. I've met so many folks that are very calm face-to-face, -face, but whenever they get drunk, dude, their little man syndrome comes out and they start to um, yell at folks. One time I saw this very tiny guy. He looks like Harry Potter. Uh, he spit on a bouncer when he got drunk. And he's so little that this bouncer just punched him on the face. This little guy fell on the ground. He twisted his teeth and he had to wear braces for the next four years. Four years. Yeah, so... Um, when you get That's drunk, a you nice do a... reminder to not spit on a bouncer's face. <laughs> you would think that that would make him stop drinking, but he just uh, used wine to unwind the nights now. instead of The main lesson he got is when you drink, don't go to a club. Just drink at your crib now. And that's the lesson you got? What's the legality of all this in the sense, for example, let's say somebody gets drunk. And they spit on a bouncer and the bouncers, it breaks their face like this and gives them some serious injury. Can the bouncer go to jail for this? The bouncer could uh, face some lawsuits because some of the folks that they attack actually are well-versed in law. So I don't know if the case is going to go anywhere, but the bouncer can definitely find themselves in some sort of lawsuit. Why did your friend not sue the bouncer? I don't know. He, it's never too late, man, because this guy is actually a lawyer. Uh, he's an immigration lawyer, though. Uh, but I think he understood that he was in the wrong because in that span of his life, he was burning a lot of relationships due to being drunk. And since he's such a little guy, he could um, get drunk by just taking two shots. Where I know you don't drink, but since you're a big guy, it would take you at least four to six shots to feel it. Where a little guy, they could feel it immediately. So he thinks he's just having a casual night out. But the little amount of drinks is just uh, making his mask fall off. You would never predict it either. Right? This is a very, very sociable individual. So you would never think that that's the kind of drunk that he becomes. Interesting. I remember going out with a couple of my friends a few years ago. And one of them, he ordered four shots. And I'm not even joking. He paid like 5,000 rupees for four shots. And back then, this was maybe 80 bucks, $80. And what he got was these tiny cups of 
you know alcohol that he drank in like 5 seconds oh, he drank it by himself just drank yeah by himself dude drank 80 dollars worth of drink in 5 seconds i'm like the fuck is the concept of this you That's can't so even sad. taste what you drunk in that in that speed you know they're not trying to taste it man they're trying to feel the effects of it it is then a mathematically why are different shots in the sense you get different types of shots if you not if you don't taste it then why do they exist so it depends what you want from your alcohol experience some people get a mixed drink if you get a mixed drink that means you're just trying to sip and enjoy throughout the night but if someone is trying to get a shot that means they're trying to get drunk now why are there different price points here's why the cheap alcohol will get you drunk very quick but the next morning you're going to feel a strong hangover you're going to get a headache and you're just going to wonder why did i drink at all but the expensive shots it'll also get you drunk but the next morning you're not going to feel a strong hangover so that's why the price points are different a lot of folks are say oh whatever i don't care about the hangover so they vibe with the cheap alcohol and this is why the whole concept of actually drinking in the club is one of the dumbest concepts out there because you could easily spend $240 uh just by hopping in three clubs so that's why the concept of pre-parties exist where you can buy three bottles for 80 bucks and you could get way more shots out of three bottles than just getting uh shots bought solo in a club i see so the pre-party would be where you get drunk and then go to the club Yeah and people don't really get drunk in the pre-party they get tipsy so the tipsy is the uh the warm up to getting drunk and once you're tipsy now if you go to the club uh it's also a flex when you're buying shots like if you're with a crew and you say hey this round is on me your crew views you in an elevated light they're like oh he got it like that huh to buy an entire round so that's the language that folks in the club use hey this round is on me Now, if you have girls around that's another um reason to buy drinks at the club but the pregame i recommend mainly so you don't end up spending so much money at the club man what kind of retard are spending their money on drinks and shots for everybody <laughs> yeah man yeah i mean i think every friend from a crew eventually has their growth phase where they say you know what this is bs and i realized when it was bs when i bought my first ever custom fit suit i bought the suit for $1000 and i recall a few of the folks that were clubbers were like $1000 how could you waste your money on a suit for $1000 i'm like dude three nights out for clubs with you you spend $1000 but i have something to show for it you don't well clubbing puts- is expensive in your country that's insane It's a good thing I don't drink. Club. Yeah. <laughs> depends which <laughs> club. It depends which club because if you go to uh one of those expensive clubs, things are very uh high end. But if you go to one of these cheap low key clubs, you could get away spending $20 for the night. And some nights there's themes as well, like all you can drink Friday. So you spend $10 in the entrance, they give you a cup and you can fill up that cup with drinks throughout the entire night. You know, one time a friend of mine and I were going somewhere and it was late at night and you were getting really hungry. The only place that was open that had a restaurant was this club. And this club was asking us 100 bucks to get inside. 
hundred dollars or hundred rupees? A hundred dollars. Yeah, it's a what the fuck. And mm-hmm. for us, a hundred bucks was not a lot of money. Like we could pay that easily and you know eat inside. But as a matter of principle, <laughs> I'm not gonna pay to go inside a place <laughs> just to pay more to buy things there. Like it's just <laughs> against my principles. So we were like, screw this. We'll find somewhere else to eat. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> just because we're men does not mean we're going to pay more to enter your place. Oh, yeah, man. If you had some ladies with you, they may have reduced it uh, to 80 bucks for you, but let the ladies in for free. Uh, but you would have had to pay regardless. That's the life of a yeah. man going to these clubs, man. You're not going to get that many perks. I'm not going to pay for entering an establishment and then, mm. you know, specifically just for the entry fee. If it mm-hmm. goes like, you know, okay, you pay a hundred bucks and then you can order food worth a hundred bucks and then you won't have to pay for the food. Then I would be fine. You know, it would be like, okay, an advance payment for the food we're going to order, but paying just to enter. No. Right. Man, I went with um, uh, to a club one time with one of my girl cousins. Uh, she was in town. And a lot of guys find this girl cousin of mine very appealing. So she would just say, Arman, watch what it's like to be a, a pretty girl. Dude, she just had to look strategically at a guy's face like this, like, then look away. And then the guy would come to her. He'd ask her, what kind of drink do you want? She'd say the drink. He'd uh, pay for it. And then she'd just give him the cold shoulder. And she repeated this three times throughout the night. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, man, you got you got some game. And her game re- literally consisted of her looking at men then looking away. Man, I wonder if we can start a club like this and have a bunch of girls whose entire job is to just look at men and then look away <laughs> and get them to buy a lot of drinks <laughs> and give these girls a small commission on drinks. That's too funny, man, because it would work. Our business <laughs> idea for our listeners. I don't even give a shit about, you know, any of this, but this seems like a good idea where if you're a hot girl, you could go to these expensive clubs and maybe negotiate a deal. You know, I'm going to show up to your club every day and I'm going to chat guys into buying lots of drinks and what have you. And you can pay me 300 bucks a night or whatever just for showing up. That would legitimately work because most guys, why do you think they're going to the clubs? Do you think they're really just going to listen to music and dance? No, they're most likely going to the club so they could talk with some girls. So if you have girls with the sole intention of flirting with these men or just looking at them, a lot of them are going to bite. Yeah, you could even import girls for this in the sense, let's say that you have a couple girls visiting, tourists or what have you, and mm-hmm. be like, okay, so you visit our club, the food is on you for free, if you can convince 10 people to get a drink or something like that. And I'm sure a bunch of girls would be happy to do that. Yeah, it would definitely work. And this is the whole concept of... um when girls go out by themselves, just a bunch of girls going to the club night and they're like, oh, it's just ladies night. You think it's ladies night, but a bunch of guys are going to be approaching you. So there's some debate. Should a girl that's in a relationship ever have these girl nights at clubs? And it's a 
polarized debate where a lot of the girls say, well, I'm just going with my girls to dance. But their boyfriends are like, yeah, you're going there to dance. But a lot of guys are literally going to the club to get laid. And they don't know that you're in a relationship. They're going to assume that you're single simply because you're in a club. And they're going to try to flirt with you. And since it's so crowded, I mean, there's just accidental grinding happening when you're trying to, you know, weasel yourself into the bathrooms or just walk around in the club. So a lot of guys are, you know, capitalizing on this. They're trying to like squeeze through and they're feeling up a girl on the way. So a lot of boyfriends do not want their girls ever going to a club, especially for a girl's night out. Man, if you are a guy and you let your girl go to a club alone, I I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> Some like girls will fight for this, dude. Some girls will fight for this. They'll be like, well, this is my freedom. I'm only going to dance. And they're going to die on this hill. Like They don't understand gonna... the guy's perspective at all uh, at See, times. If uh, I get you and I get the girl's perspective too. But if a girl wants to go dancing in clubs, she can't be dating me. Right. There are plenty That's of guys that are okay with it, but not me. Is that enough for you to dump the girl? Yes. Okay. Well, I think this is something that would show up early on. So I would know for a fact before I would actually get into something serious with this girl. Mm-hmm. But if you look up, if you think about it, what's actually happening in a club, you're dressing skimpily and going to dance in a loud club environment. It, it's like this. Okay. If you have good food, why would you let the good food go and sit on a bad, dirty plate for some time and come back? <laughs> that's true. Good analogy. Like, that's going to make your food dirty. So why would you do that? At the end yeah, of the day, but... no, no one goes to a club just for dancing. I mean, maybe some girls do, but no guy ever said, hey, I just want to dance. Let me go to a club. No, not <laughs> one guy. Not one. <laughs> Oh, and another thing with guys that they need to be worried about. I could tell how serious someone is about their self-improvement journey based on how often they're going to the clubs. So pre-self-improvement, for a lot of guys, they're going to the club every Friday. So a lot of guys are going to the clubs on Fridays and some even on the weekends. But every now and then, those folks that improve uh, on the self-improvement aspect of their life are like, you know what? I'm going to cut this out. Because here's what happens. When you're a guy and you are consistently going to clubs, what's going to happen every now and then is that a brawl can happen, a fight of some sort. Because let's say you're a guy, you go up to a girl that is giving you one of these looks and you start flirting with her. And then later on, you find out that she's dating someone and her boyfriend is in the club. He's going to push you. He's going to be like, why are you hitting on my girl for? And now suddenly there could be a scuffle that happens. So if you're a guy, that is consistently going to clubs, do not be surprised if you get in some sort of scuffle, fight, even arrested. Interesting. I wonder what happens if you say you identify as a woman and then try to avoid the cover fee. <laughs> Man, that's something that... Needs to be damn. tested. It and needs then you to can be put tested. it on social media. You know, like, <laughs> I was not allowed in because I am a trans person. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that might actually work. Someone needs to test this. Okay, $10 for anyone, or let, let's make it big, $100 for anybody who tests this. Let's say that you have to record a video of you going to a club 
and you know the bouncer asks you for a cover charge or what have you and then you identify as a woman and then let's see what happens send the video to admin at lifemath20.com and let's we'll take it from there of course we'll own the video so you'll have to give us rights to publish it on our socials but it would be an interesting experiment to do it would and i would recommend whoever is going to take up this challenge go to a bigger club because they have more to lose so if you say if you're not going to let me in even though i'm identifying as a woman i'm going to blast you on social media they have a lot to lose where these hole in the wall clubs don't really give a shit so try to yeah, it has to be club. a big club who can big lose a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> man dude that's actually a very interesting idea because i have not seen the club atmosphere get infiltrated with any of the uh like i identify as x y and z even though that's the perfect place to infiltrate that environment with man if you can save 100 bucks to enter a club just by identifying as a woman i'm sure every single guy out there is identifying as a woman so <laughs> you should do it man the next time you're hungry <laughs> there's no food places around harshina yeah, returns harsh by day harshina by night harsh by day harshina by night that's the life <laughs> lately, lately right? i have been eating at night in the sense i've been lately doing that i i told you last time right i was going to try one meal a day mhm well i haven't been doing one meal a day because it's impossible to do one meal a day as a vegetarian so i've been doing mm-hmm. two meals a day and i've kind of been having my first meal at 4 o'clock and then one at 9 o'clock so i haven't really been eating at night You don't have time to go out. And how has life been since eating two meals a day? Hungrier. Hungrier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say what you eat at those meals? Oh yeah, I've been eating a lot of protein. So for my lunch, I'll have 250 grams of low-fat cottage cheese with about 200 grams of Greek yogurt and a bunch of besan which is, you know, gram flour. and a lot of masala so it's called i i make something called tandoori paneer mhm it's really good in taste and in the evening i'll have whey protein and i'll have some protein powder not just protein powder but i'll have a bunch of skim milk which is low fat i'll have ghee and a bunch of other things so my evening meal is a bit more variable depending on what i want to eat i could have something like parathas with ghee and milk and what have you mm-hmm. or something else altogether And how much protein are you getting in every day? One hundred and sixty grams. Oh, okay. It was more before, right? It was more before because I was bulking back then. Now I'm slowly cutting, so I'm eating maybe two thousand eighteen hundred calories, sometimes a little less. Don't you need more protein when you're cutting? I do, but I've gotten back to my old ways of being a vegetarian. Yeah, I mm. tried the other thing for like some time, but just feels weird. and feel, I I just don't enjoy it as much chicken yeah meat in in general it just feels like oh man what the fuck am i doing what do you mean so, it doesn't physically feel good or mentally doesn't feel good i was raised as a vegetarian right so it just feels like i'm sinning or just doing something that's evil you know because mm. if you've seen the way these chickens and everyone is raised it's just it's basically torture and if i'm eating it then i'm kind of supporting the torture and i'm sure people who have been eating meat since they were born they don't think this way 
but I do. So back to being a vegetarian for me, which is fine. I get decent amount of protein, right? At this point, I'm 80 kilos and two grams of protein per kilo is good. And all my protein is animal protein coming from cheese and paneer and what have you. So I'm not too worried about that. Mm -hmm. The only thing is that it requires a bit more planning because you are eating some carbs, which make you a bit hungrier than if you just eat meat. Gotcha. And your maid cooks most of your meals for you? Oh, yeah. Okay. See, that helps. Now you just tell your maid what you desire and she could whip it up. It's much more convenient than cooking by yourself. I'm telling you, if you cook by yourself, you're spending far too much time on this stuff. I don't know how... Do you cook by yourself? I used to, man. But nowadays, I, if I do cook, it's literally just frying a steak. Otherwise, I'll just eat at these bowl places where you could get a bowl made and you could just load it up with protein and vegetables. So I don't cook like I used to. Oh, you mean like that burrito place? No. Yeah. Some some place you were telling me about. I forget. Yeah. Chipotle. Chipotle. There's Cava. There's Bole. There's a lot of these bowl places where you could load it up with proteins, get some fiber, get a lot of vegetables in. And if you did it twice in the day, you'll get at least 200 grams of protein if you load it up. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. So I have not cooked like I once did. It's a waste of time too, man, because when you cook, there's the after process too, where you got to clean it up. You got to put everything away. Uh, And eventually there's that dread factor too. So if you're going to cook, you need to either meal plan or you don't cook. Cooking is a good skill to have, but it just takes too long for us entrepreneurs to do. It's just not something we can fit in our day. Yeah, I think that would be a good disclaimer as well. I meant more so for entrepreneurs. If you have a a 40-hour-a-week job, then cooking does make a lot of sense. Uh, But but yeah, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, these sorts of moments of you cleaning up, throwing things away, uh, waiting for things to cool down so you could even put things away, uh, it adds up. Uh, So as an entrepreneur, if you are going to cook, I would recommend the whole meal prepping strategy where you make everything on a Sunday and then you compartmentalize it and you eat it throughout the week. But other than that, man, if you have the money for it uh, and you are not uh, you are not bothered by eating out, I mean, you could get a lot of your macros uh, with eating out. You just got to be somewhat strategic too. Okay, so you're back in the vegetarian lifestyle. Um, anything different? I mean, can you still lift a decent amount? Yeah, my strength hasn't gone down at all. Mm-hmm. Lately, I've been eating such few calories that, and I've been working quite a bit, that of course, I'm not as, what's the word for it? I don't feel as good, but I think that will be okay once I start eating more. I need to cut a couple more kilos. Yeah. like, I mean, I don't know if OMAD would work with a strictly vegetarian diet. So it's good that you're doing the whole two meals a day. When you were eating meat, did your parents ever look at you sideways, disappointed? Yeah, I I did not tell them. (laughs) (laughs) What would they have done if they found out? Disowned you? No, not disowned me, but it's not in our culture, right? So I would get a bit like you. I I just wanted to try it out for a bit. So, 
Could you do anything where your parents would disown you? Kill somebody, probably. Even <laughs> that, I don't think they would disown me for. What if Harsh starts an OnlyFans? Uh, that's probably not going to get me disowned at all. I mean, they would be like, hey, someone want to watch that stuff? Then go for it. <laughs> They'd be like, okay, another stream of income for the Life Math Money brand. <laughs> I should definitely start an OnlyFans and just post the LMM quotes there and have like people sign up to it and then become the top creator or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, because with OnlyFans, it's not just about nudes. A lot of people say it, sell their paintings there. It's sort of like a gumroad, actually. If you actually look into it, besides the adult porn part, uh, it's somewhat like a gumroad where you could sell digital goods online. My barber has an OnlyFans, but he only uh, uh, shows his um, haircuts, his final haircuts. He's a portfolio of that. And he teaches how I to cut hair. I just hope that he's cutting the head, the the hair on his head. <laughs> Let me not ask him. I don't know if I want to know the answer. Here is a straight line. <laughs> Here's how you do an afro. <laughs> Dang, man. Oh, man. Only fans. How is it different from Patreon, though? I don't know, man. I mean... OnlyFans, the only thing I know about it is that you can sell nudes there. And I heard there's lighter versions of that. Where I recall in one of our episodes, you mentioned you have pretty good calves, right? Mm-hmm. You may be having a niche market, my friend. You're a brown guy with nice calves. There may be a bunch of girls that want to see pictures of that. Because there are different markets from what I hear on OnlyFans. Where some guys will subscribe to a YouTuber's um, prank channels. Um, OnlyFans simply because she posts feed pictures. What the fuck are people up to? What the yeah. fuck am I even listening to? Yeah, so people are weird with their niched desires. So since you have good calves, you, you may be able to make an additional, I don't know, $500 a month just posting pictures. I don't think so. I've been... so. I've been building that company I was telling you about, right? RepurposePie.com, whose mm-hmm. entire job is converting tweets to videos. And I was ha- I was having a look at OnlyFans as a platform in the sense I was thinking, okay, maybe we could auto-post to OnlyFans too instead of just Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And apparently, OnlyFans doesn't pay that much. Most creators make, most of these girls posting nudes make less than 200 bucks a month. Really? Yeah, it doesn't pay nearly as much as you might think. I think even in the top yeah. 10%, it's something like that as well. Let me have a look. Only fans. Harsh been doing his market research. 10% income. Okay, so the top 10% makes more than a thousand bucks a month. And the 0.1%, the top 0.1% makes 100K a month. But let me take the top 20%. On average, the OnlyFans creator makes 150 bucks a month. Okay. That's it? Yeah. Only $150 a month? Yeah, I'm just having a look at... So we don't really know what the actual numbers are, right? People are just estimating it. But let me have a look at Reddit. Okay. And I'm sure there's going to be some people who will tell us like what percentage they are on. 
and how much they are mad. Okay, so there's this girl who is in the top 43%. And she said that in the last month, she made $99.3. So she's in the top 43% and making like less than 100 bucks. Damn, dude, that is, that's a double embarrassment. I mean, here you are showcasing your entire body for the world. And you're only getting $99 out of it. I feel like if you want to actually be successful in OnlyFans, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you want to be successful in OnlyFans, you need to be somewhat of a celebrity or an influencer. Then you funnel that traffic to your OnlyFans. But you can't just be a girl off the block and thinking that you're going to pop off so quick, especially because anyone can do it. So the competition must be astronomical. I don't know. I think that this stuff also requires work because I was Googling how to make these video content platforms grow faster since I'm building a company to do that. Mm -hmm. And what these girls are doing to make their OnlyFans accounts grow is a lot of work. They have these Reddit accounts and they're constantly posting there and they're paying all these big Twitter accounts to, you know, post their pictures or, you know, respond to them. So they get some attention and they're on YouTube trying to build a YouTube audience to, so that, you know, people on YouTube can pay for this. Mm -hmm. So th this is a lot of work. This isn't something, this isn't as easy as, okay, I make an account, I post pictures of me and then guys are suddenly just giving me money. It's right, not as right. easy. Well, a lot of them sign with agencies too. So the agencies take care of the business side and the girls just now focus on the content part. But if you sign with an agency, your margins are going to reduce. But it's in that business. case, it's not mm -hmm. exactly, see, if you sign up with an agency, right, all the work is being done by the agency. The agency could just replace you with any other girl and still be functional. So the profits have to go to the agency. They're the ones doing the work. You're just a chick. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the, the shtick with OnlyFans is that the consumer gets a personal connection with the girl. But if the consumer knew that a lot of the times that they're DMing these girls, it's another dude from an agency that's responding back, then they would be like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing, man. It's just life coming up in a full 360 where you're, you're somehow still getting humiliated. <laughs> I don't think there's any graceful way anyone pays for porn. I think all these porn people who pay for porn. I don't know what to say, you know, there's so much free porn available. First of all, watching porn itself is such a loser thing to do. But to top mm. it off, you're paying for that. That's next level being a loser. Yeah. Man, we talked about porn addiction before where you said it's something as though it takes up your brain, right? It actually shrinks your brain. I'm not even... It shrinks joking. your brain. It shrinks your brain, which is... God damn crazy. And how often if what's the measurement like? Are these guys who's having their brain shrunk jacking off three times a day more? Sorry, what? These guys are who are having their brains shrunk from porn addiction. How often do you think they're jerking off? I don't know, but I don't know if jerking off alone causes it too. Probably it does. All addictive. Oh, simply watching it can, uh, simply watching it can make your brain shrink. Watching it regularly, of course, the one just watching it, right? Everyone's also jacking off. 
I don't know what jacking off without porn does, but if you watch a lot of porn and you jack off to the porn, it literally makes you addicted to it and it shrinks your brain, which mm-hmm. has the effect of making your brain weaker and makes you more likely to be addicted to things in the future. Man, imagine your life if you're addicted to porn plus two other things. I mean, how can you ever do anything in life? Let's say you're addicted to porn, you're an alcoholic, and what's another thing people can video really games. do? Video games. See, most I mean, teen this is the loser's blueprint right here. <laughs> addicted to two things already, right? What two things? Porn and video games. Oh, yeah. You were never addicted to video games, right? I know you were playing it before but were you addicted i don't think i was addicted addicted but yeah i used to play it hmm, okay let okay. me show you how much of brain shrinkage porn can cause it's completely fucking crazy one sec let me yeah here it is wait let me open this in a different browser so it doesn't have so much distracting stuff Okay, turn off your porn real quick and then show us. <laughs> okay, have a look at this. Mm-hmm. Scientists discovered brain structure differences. You see this? Okay, god damn it, this annoying thing. This the thing weapon. on the left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to I don't know, this it's a, it says it's supposed to be linked to motivation and it's much, much smaller or it's was smaller in porn consumption. Okay, the more porn consumption you have, the smaller it is. And there's Whoa. a whole bunch of studies on this. I remember studying quite a bit of this when I was writing Live Intentionally. Mm-hmm. But the more porn you watch, the more your brain shrinks, which makes your brain weaker and makes you more likely to be addicted. And since you're going to keep watching more porn, you're going to become more and more and more addicted to it. A lot of people can't go a week without jacking off. It's some. It's very, very surprising. Wow. It, it's, it becomes a flywheel. Yeah, exactly. I, it becomes a flywheel. I actually heard that girls can tell by looking at guys which guys watch porn and which ones don't. Apparently, there's certain there's a look to their face, or where you jerk, when you jerk off a lot, there's a glow that begins to disappear, and a lot of girls have the perception to sense that. Is it? That's interesting. Yeah, I remember one time I heard about this. Um, when a girl was telling me and I was like, All right, yeah, okay, well, and I'm like just picking up random strangers. I'm like, what about that guy? Does he watch porn? She's like, no, 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 he doesn't watch porn. He gets the real thing. I'm like, what about that guy? He's like, oh yeah, that guy definitely watches porn. He probably watches it multiple times in the day. <laughs> so she had this sensor. I don't know how accurate the sensor was, but she seemed confident regarding it. I don't know. I've heard of this as well from girls. I don't know how true it is you know sometimes girls think they can do quite a few things but they might not be able to mm-hmm. i personally cannot tell the difference between someone who say has just jacked off and someone who hasn't i mean if mm-hmm. someone's just jacking off all day playing a lot of video games then you can definitely tell right just by their body language their shoulders are hunched forward and what have you 
but that's their overall lifestyle but if you right. were to tell me okay there's two guys one of them has just jacked off and one of them hasn't jacked off in a week i could not tell you mhm yeah i think especially with us guys we see life differently as well where we're not even looking for things like this but since a lot of girls are getting approached by guys they have to become more perceptive in regards to little nuances which guys we don't really have to give a fuck about so i don't i mean i'm not going to 100% believe it in their radar but the likelihood of them having some sort of radar i could see a case being made for it um it is somewhat embarrassing though if someone have, let's just entertain this idea for a second let's say that girls can't tell <laughs> if you can watch porn it's like there's this big sticker on your head like i just jerked off 5 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> oh man that would be embarrassing for sure yeah especially if you're something like a college teacher or something you know <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny, man. There was actually this one porn star who um apparently like she stopped doing porn to do um be a law student and one day she was spending some time with her male college professor afterwards and he accidentally called her by her porn name. <laughs> <laughs> so rather than calling her Catherine, he called her Bubbles or something and she knew at that point that he watches her porn. <laughs> I don't know if as a you know the porn star should be proud like she's so popular. <laughs> It's like great marketing. I've noticed a lot of porn stars stop doing porn to pursue law. Did you notice this? I have never tracked porn stars life, but tell me more since you are a connoisseur of tracking porn well, stars. Well, what happens every now and then? <laughs> Every now and then these porn stars are actually becoming influencers. So they'll go on shows like the Bradley Martin podcast and they'll talk about their life and how um they chose the sex industry. They surprised a lot of people by choosing that industry and they would get harassed a lot uh, by their friends, their family, like, "Oh man, you had such a bright future. Why did you cho- choose porn for?" And she would try to say that it made me happy, but they still judged her regardless. and she's telling these stories in a Bradley Martin like podcast and then she's talking about her transition into law and i'm thinking why law you know and i've seen three porn stars that would appear on a podcast all saying the same thing and i think the reason why is because when you're getting harassed like that so much for your life decisions they want to be able to explain themselves in a way where it makes logical sense to others even though they're always going to fall flat with it most people are always going to judge to a certain extent porn stars but i have noticed that a lot of porn stars at 27 to 29 stop that profession and begin to pursue something that requires professional arguing actually that is because as a would you as a porn producer hire a woman who's 27 28 when you can hire an 18 year old I don't know I don't know much about this industry but I do think that the careers are is a natural end of a career unless there are people out there watching like 30 35 year old women having sex not particularly sure right my curiosity is why law you know why not something else why not accounting probably accounting is harder than law you think so yeah accounting is much harder than law Really I I would imagine law was harder. No, practicing law takes more creativity mm-hmm. for sure. In practice, 
when you're actually executing it, then law is harder. But as the degree itself, the studying part of it, accounting is harder. Hmm. Okay. You guys have your version of the bar exam, right? That that's the one yeah. you spent some time studying for. The one where you got fat studying for it. That was CA. A little different. That was an accounting exam. How many exams do you guys have? For CA, I think we have three exams, but I think they are changing up the structure now. Not, not well versed. I haven't touched that thing in a long time now. I think years and years have gone by. I've come been completely disconnected and forgotten a lot of it. Mm-hmm. My point being that I don't know why. I this is the first time I'm hearing about the whole law thing. I I can see your argument being made. You know, like the bullied kid is more likely to learn MMA or something. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been noticing. Even a podcast. Uh, have you heard of Fresh and Fit or the whatever podcast? Fresh and Fit is the one where there's a bunch of these like dumbass girls, and they are sitting with like two three guys. I've seen an Andrew Tate clip or something on that podcast. Yeah. So every now and then, if I'll check out an episode, I'll see one of the girls is um, does OnlyFans, but she's also uh, the reverse is also true at times where they used to be studying for law and then suddenly they began to do OnlyFans. And once they come on these shows and a lot of these male podcast hosts are attacking them like, oh, you're a bimbo, they'll start to get their law um, skills on. They're like, well, define a bimbo. Who are you to determine what is ethics and what is not? Do we have free will? She's just busting out a bunch of these arguments. And I'm thinking that it's the female equivalent to what you just mentioned, when you're a skinny guy and you get bullied a lot, you're going to want to learn to fight for that specific reason. Where you're a girl and you get bullied for your profession a lot, you're going to want to learn to defend yourself with words. Even if other people don't agree with the words or whatnot, if you are just saying, oh, no, I'm not a hoe, versus <laughs> you actually <laughs> laying out some sort of argument, the argument thing is going to at least make one out of 10 people think, hmm, maybe I'm judging her a little too quick. So that's my theory as to why a lot of these girls are choosing law as their second life. It's definitely possible. It mm-hmm. could also be the effect of these TV shows you have nowadays, right? Suits or what have you. Because Suits. I heard a couple of people that I recently spoke to, like a group of doctors, they got into medicine because they used to watch this TV show called Grey's Anatomy. And there's one more called House or Housing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were fascinated by this profession. And that's how they got into it. And I think that lately there have been more and more TV shows about lawyers. It could be that as well. I'm not particularly well-versed with the whole movie TV industry. My whole idea of this whole thing is that as a Western woman, right? I'm not talking about women who are Muslims or Hindus or women from more conservative and well-functioning cultures, but specifically as a Western woman who is very, very likely to be sleeping with random men she met on Tinder, probably has a huge body count from college. She doesn't particularly care about how many or who sees her body, right? For her, it makes perfect sense to do OnlyFans. It's not like this girl, for her, it's not like for her it matters that no one sees her nude. It doesn't matter for a certain period, but once you hit a certain age, it begins to matter. 
that's yeah, when they you. start thinking, oh, man, what, what did but I if do? If they had the foresight, they wouldn't be hoeing around in the first place, would they? Right. No, right, right. And that's why I think uh, initially they said, I don't really give a damn who sees me naked. But later on, once they see the after effects where maybe their parents disown them or they stop talking to them for a certain period, the random Facebook friend that they haven't talked to in uh, years just hits them up like, oh, my God, I, I, why are you doing OnlyFans for cousins of weddings? It's never nothing is the same. That's when they are like, oh, dang, I, I, I feel really nasty for showing myself like that. So but that initially, go on. What's temporary? Well, it's temporary now because some a lot of it in your culture, right? Mm-hmm. OnlyFans is not normalized, but pretty soon it's gonna be normalized in the sense that maybe fifty years ago, if you wore a short skirt, you would have gotten the same treatment. You know, your cousins and friends would be like, "Hey, what are you wearing? Like, at least wear proper clothes." Mm-hmm. And nowadays, you see, at least when I see Western women, they're barely dressed. They're wearing like a small bikini and what have you. And in India, in my country, that would be like mini underwear. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard that the mini skirts are infiltrating India. Yeah, man, we're getting all this bullshit too. And the yoga pants point, too. The yoga pants had a good addition. I'm happy to have them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Go this on. stuff, right? It, it's it will become normalized to the point where maybe 20 years from now, right? It would not be shameful for anybody, any girl to have an OnlyFans. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know about that. I, I, I do see your how you got to that conclusion because the miniskirt case can definitely be made where before miniskirts were actually banned in a lot of places. A lot of malls, if you went with a miniskirt, they kicked you out. I just think, man, with anything content related that is something that it just enters a different stratosphere of rules where i don't think porn will ever be normalized to a point where if you are in a western home and one of the girls in the household says mama tata i'm gonna do porn i don't think any at any (laughs) point they're gonna say well good job honey whatever you want to do i think initially there's going to be shock and trauma and some of them are never going to forgive their daughter, maybe even son. I, I don't often hear about the son doing porn that Just much. No one buying. Like, women are not paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that? Do, do you think there's a market of girls that buy? Um... Actually, never mind. Uh, I was gonna say, is I there? Doubt um, I doubt. Is it. there? I doubt is it. is there like a women's version of a simp? There are, well, there is, mm-hmm. but it's they're not buying porn. They're more, mostly like helping the guy out a bit more. They're being better wives. My, yeah, where, mm-hmm. where with OnlyFans, I don't see, I see your point when, if you're just showcasing feed pics or whatever, I think that's fine. But if you're getting smashed online, or if you're even showing nudes, I think there's always going to be some judgment from that. We have kids in US transitioning from male to female and saying they're pansexual, whatever, whatever sexual. So, And that's becoming normalized now. It's so, not becoming that normalized, man. A lot of people not, are fighting not, back on that. They're saying leave the kids alone. But mm-hmm. soon, I mean, the wind is blowing in that direction. Is my point? I don't. I don't think that it's going to be blowing in that direction for long. Because once it was, every now and then you heard stories about it. You heard about Dwayne Wade's kid. Then you are hearing about Megan Fox's kids. Like oh, whatever. Ever since that, it is infiltrating schools. A lot of parents are fighting back. 
and they're doing it in a very ferocious way, which I give them props for because they're saying, no, 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 you're not going to toe the lines here. So I think there's always going to be stories that go viral, but I don't see that being normalized. I'll go fingers crossed that it doesn't. You're thinking in like one generation, right? It, for was, the kids right. of today, mm-hmm. it's, it's more normalized than it was for the kids of the previous generation and their kids. Mm-hmm it's going to be a little more normalized for them. It's eventually going to catch up maybe in like one generation too, given mm. the amount of pushing that's happening here. All I will say is that I have to give props to the Muslim people for actually fighting back against this bullshit properly. It's the only culture out there that's actively resisting wokeism. I mean, Hinduism is not doing it. Like a lot of Hindu girls I know here, they're just as woke as Western women and just as degenerate. The only people resisting it properly are Muslims. And that's a good thing, you know. I will mm-hmm. say that. I will say that this is not all Muslims resisting it. A lot of Muslims are just as degenerate as the rest of the world. But the only culture that seems to be actively resisting it is Islam. The rest are more like Western is good, so we'll just adopt it. Really? So is that what's happening in the East? In India, at least in the cities, right? If I have to make a list of the top 100 most degenerate girls, I think maybe less than 10 would be Muslim. And by degenerate, how would you define that? What are some traits? Promiscuous, you know, fucking up lots of guys on Tinder or what have you. Things like that. That's happening in India? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. In this big cities? Big cities, big city problems, mm. you know. We have a Western right. culture now. So what's the likelihood? I mean, what are the ratio of villages there? Do you ever go to these tiny villages where there's huts? Oh, yeah, I go there often, especially when I'm trekking. That's where you trek, okay. Yeah, in those villages, this problem doesn't exist as much. But we mm-hmm. have modern technology everywhere in India now. Every, even kids in even small in the villages? villages, even in villages, they have, you know, proper smartphones, not iPhones, but a decent Android smartphones with maybe a four or five inch screen. And they're watching, you know, YouTube shorts and what have you. And they are aware of what's going on. Even in I, the villages? Even in the villages. Okay. I didn't picture them to have cell phones. Oh yeah. The kids in villages have cell phones. They are intelligent. And they play all these video games like, what's that game called? You know, where there was a very popular shooting game. I Call, of Duty. Call of Duty? No, 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 no. It was, it was it's called a battle royale or something where you have to kill and be the last person alive. Okay. Tekken? I for, no, no, no. Let me Google that one sec. Mortal Kombat? No, no. It's a, it's a very new game. We hadn't played it as a kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't play video games at all, so I'm... I'm listing out all these things from mid two thousands. Final is... Fantasy. No. PUBG. PUBG. I never heard of that in my life. It's really, really, really popular, especially among these kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are these kids in these small, small towns. I'm not even joking. Maybe like fifty people live in this village, and the kid is playing. PUBG. I'm like, what the fuck is up? Wait. So what are their living facilities like? 
Let me find you an image. One sec. Because I'm literally picturing mud huts right now. No, no, they have some concrete in them. Not okay. exactly mud huts. But let me. But it's it's actually a pretty poor household. But when they take a shit, is it the two bricks with the hole? Is that what they take a shit? <laughs> <laughs> they have running water in villages and a lot of villages now. No, the reason why I'm asking this is a long time ago, I went to a village in Noakali, Bangladesh. And that's what I'm picturing nowadays. So you're saying they've evolved a lot. They have evolved a lot. When I say a lot from what you are describing, I mean a lot. Okay, let me share a picture with you so I can describe what it's like in a small Indian mountain village. Bro, and this I'm is little, I'm, literally relatively... picturing, I'm literally picturing this right now. Let me show you. Can you share my screen real quick? Yes. I'm no, 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 this. no. <laughs> Wait, Do you see this ever? I've seen this in pictures of Africa. And, you know, I've seen this in extremely, extremely rare places. And this stuff is typically just used as a place to store grain so it doesn't go bad. It's not used to live in. Okay. But I, I mean things like this. Okay, I'm going to share a picture with you. Share screen and window. You see this kid? Mm-hmm. This kid was playing PUBG on his phone when I met him. And this is the house he lives in. It's it's on a mountain. There's maybe like 50 people living in his village. Mm-hmm. And the kid got us water and everything. We were completely out of water back then, at that time. I see. Okay. And how many so people live is- in that place? I don't know, maybe Rough three, estimate. four. I, I have no idea. Maybe four at best. But yeah, the houses are made of brick. They aren't well, what's the word for it? The refinement isn't there. I mean, they haven't painted it and what have you. But it isn't a mud hut. And this is an extremely impoverished village. This isn't a good village, this particular one. But there are villages that also have housing made out of wood. Out of wood, okay. So what are their dreams like? I mean, are they folks that dream to be in the city or do they want to take over their dad's business? They want to be farmers? It depends on the kids. Some of them, they actually want to get out of this place and do something else. And they're trying to work hard to that objective. But that's a bit rare. For most of these guys, right, they just are happy in their small life. Maybe they want to work a job in the city so they can make a decent income. And that's pretty much it. Like they just want to make, work a job, make an income, and then spend their time doing whatever they want, idle around, and what have you. Get married, have kids. They don't. They're not trying to develop something in the long run. Typically, do they have cars? Yeah, a lot of them have cars. Not the big cars, mm-hmm. but the small cars. Actually, uh, most of them have motorbikes. Cars is not as common, but a lot of them still have cars. But the cars cost like five thousand bucks. Hypothetically, let's say they're turning 18. Can they go to the city, go to class, then come back to the village? They can do that before they're 18, maybe when they're 12 years old. Okay, now I'm just saying with the transportation aspect, can they basically get best of both worlds where they can work in the city but live in the village? A lot of people actually end up doing that. Mm -hmm. But what they do is not... They don't come back every day. They will work in the city, stay from Monday to Friday, and then come back on the weekend. 
Okay. When you were bringing it up, I thought way more people were going to be living in the houses. I thought the grandma, the mom, the dad, the brother, sister, bunch of people were living in there. The thing is that all the younger people, right? They don't live in villages. Younger people move to the city to study, work, what have you. And typically in the villages, you will find older people like the the grandma, grandpa, and mm-hmm. kids who are on vacation from school, and occasionally all young people when they are you know back from the city for a day or two. Okay, is that where you found your maid? No, my maid lives in the city. She does not live in a village. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I learned something new today because I was thinking way less developed than you're describing. India is actually pretty better, pretty much better than it used to be in the 1980s. But for some yeah. reason, the Western image is always, you know, 1980s India. There's an elephant roaming around type of thing. Yeah, and I, and I don't mean the cities like Mumbai, Bombay, Delhi. Like that, I see it very progressed. But whenever I think village, not even with India. Like if you say. Nicaraguan village. I just think bottom of the barrel in terms of evolution. Yeah, maybe African villages are like the ones you described. I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. Indian villages are pretty, pretty modern in many cases. Let me show you some more pictures of Indian villages in a minute. But okay. go on, and I'll pull them up in a minute. Like <clears throat> in the U.S., our version of a village is the ghetto, and by version, I just mean the lowest totem pole on where you want to live. And the ghetto is a place where it is not beautiful. It's like a, a bunch of crack addicts live there. A lot of gang uh, uh, violence goes on there. You may see rats on the streets. That's what I picture. Now, granted, they still have electricity. They still have uh, internet service. They still have technology, but it's still not somewhere I want to live. So that's where I- I'm talking about in it being the lowest of the totem pole. Man, villages. Man, Would you ever just I've heard just quit everything? those are for mm-hmm. black people, if I'm not wrong. Not always. I mean, there are Chinese ghettos. There are um, Spanish ghettos. But a lot of black uh, neighborhoods are w- with ghettos as well. I think Ed Latimer was telling me about the ghetto he was from. Yeah, I think he mentioned he he's from the ghetto. It teaches you about life, from what I've heard, where you're taught to survive. Is it like a slum in India? Yeah, you could you could say it's a, like a slum. Interesting. So these guys are slum dwellers. Would you ever just quit everything and just move to a village? It's an interesting idea, but knowing myself, I I would probably get bored in a week. I I'm, I'm used to a very fast moving life, mm-hmm. so it's unlikely. But now that I think about it, it would be good to do maybe once every few months like for a week or so that's what i do occasionally i'll just go somewhere but i don't live in a village for that long like would you ever stay there for three months out of the year i might i might right now i have too much business going on but maybe when Mm -hmm. i'm older it seems like a good idea it would be interesting and fun to do whenever you go trekking they they never recruit you like harshabaya stay with us they do, but they're more interested in the money that I bring in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, harsh is trucking. We could pay rent for this month. Yeah, something like that. Can you have what a are look? you showing me right now? Yep. What is this? 
So this is a village house. Okay. Man, these are better than a lot of the ghettos. That's a village house? Yeah, so this is a village house. Let me show you. This is a house in a village. This village is on the top of a mountain. It's a pretty good house. I mean, not all villages have houses like this, obviously. Is this the norm, though? Or, or are you showing me the outliers? This, <clears throat> at least in the mountain areas, this is pretty common. So this is how houses used to be maybe 40 yeah, years ago. That's what I'm picturing. But no one lives in a house like this. This house is completely abandoned. No one lives here. People live in houses that are around it. Mm-hmm. So you see this yellow one. This is a house. This is the best house in that village that I could find. Hmm, okay. That guy must be living like a king. What do you think he does for a living? Well, if you are a villager, right, you can just go to the forest and chop wood and you don't have to pay for that wood. Oh, you think he made so, that? Yeah, he made it. What the heck? I mean, he obviously hired workers, but he probably cut the wood and everything himself because if he cuts the wood, he doesn't have to pay for it. He can't yep. sell it. He can only use it to make his own house. Right. I am curious, though. What is the the top dog position in a village? The top dog position in a village is called a sarpanch. Sarpanch. What's that? It means the head of the panchayat. It's the head of the local area who makes these decisions in small disputes. So the way it works is that in these villages, if you have a dispute you don't go to the court you go to the panchayat and the panchayat is a group of five elders who decide to dispute and i've seen some of these disputes they're actually pretty interesting there's a guy who's like who has a dispute with his wife and the wife is saying you know this guy is asking me to make rotis and what have you and the guy is like hey i work all day if i come home and there's not even rotis around like what's the point of even being married and they're having a fight and the panchayat is settling it, being like, you know, trying to calm the woman down, calm the guy down and, mm-hmm. you know, settling the issue for them. Right. So it's like a group of five elders that are chosen for this. And the sarpanch is the head of those five elders. I see. Okay. Everyone concept. in the town knows who the sarpanch is. Gotcha. Does he also get paid the big bucks? No, they don't get paid for this. Oh, they don't get paid. Okay. It's in an ordinary village... position older people take up. Okay. All right. And these villages have, do they have specified positions? Say you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be our engineer. You're the construction worker. They don't in the sense you can, I mean, they have people who are into all of these professions, mm-hmm. but there's no one guy whose you know job is to fix up everything for a village. I see. Okay. The village could hire someone for that, but the village would have to pay the guy. Okay. Man, I saw this interesting documentary on Pakistan recently where there's this big mountain and there's a group of people that live by the mountains and there's this drive that you have to make up the mountain, which is very dangerous. If you make one wrong turn, you could fall and die. So the guy that actually makes that drive, he's seen as a stud within his community. I was like, oh, that's the guy that has the balls to drive up that mountain. And apparently, if you go across that mountain, that's where you could get the food supplies and stuff. So I was watching this and I thought, how interesting. I would never think that a driver is seen as that that boss within the community. But due to his circumstances, uh, he's seen as very courageous for willing to make that drive. How risky is this drive? 
it's really risky, man. It's uh, apparently you could die um, if you take one uh, one wrong turn. And what happens is that there are two people within the village whose only goal is to go up the trails of the mountain with their feet and just uh, swipe off some gravel. Because if there's too much gravel on that mountain when the guy's driving, he could lose control and go off. So whenever the driver is going up the mountain and he sees those two gentlemen sweeping, he says, the whole village worships me, but I worship you two gentlemen. Because if you guys didn't come and keep swiping the gravel, I could die. So it, it's a very risky thing. And here's the thing. When they made the documentary, there's a cameraman that's recording the guy making this drive. And I'm looking at it and I'm getting my heartbeat is rising. So I'm thinking, man, you are high up there, bro. Like you're you're basically just driving like this the entire time. You cannot lose concentration at all. So he's doing it and he consistently does it. I did think though, like, what happens if you die? I mean, who is going to take up your mantle? Because it seems as though you need specified skills and you also need to have some balls too. I think someone would eventually have to, right? If the village wants supplies, then yes, you have to do it. Yeah, it's a very small village. And they make their own rules too. A very interesting documentary. You know, you would be surprised. Things are very similar on these small islands. Mm -hmm. In the sense that, you know, you have these islands where they don't have an airport. And only once every few months, a ship goes out and brings all the food and can, comes back in. Sometimes right. every few days, sometimes every few weeks. And some islands once every six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'd be really, really surprised how life is like there. In the sense that people are completely disconnected from the rest of the world. Except some of them have internet, but sometimes they don't. And the life there is completely different from what you think. They don't have a single care in the world that you and I do. Exactly, man. Because the way that we view driving, it's strictly for utility. But these guys view driving from a lens of sur survival. And here's the name of the documentary for anyone who's curious. It's called Pakistan, The Valley of Immortals, Deadliest Journeys. So... Um, I believe it's also a series. I only saw the first episode, but it was very compelling because I never thought of it like that. I never thought that these guys are driving up the mountains. Um, and one of them was actually having a wedding, one of the village guys. So this guy had to take multiple trips that day, right? Uh, to go up the mountain or to the side of the mountain. And most of those folks that were getting in the car, they were pretty much telling the guy like, our life is in your hands. Please, uh, please take us to our destination. So he's seen in a, a high light. Man, that is a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure, man. Just one wrong turn and you could die. Hmm. It's a very scary way to die too. Falling off a mountain. Hey, what's up with Pakistan lately? I've heard it's collapsing. Is it? Uh, why do you say that? From what I understand, its economy is completely messed up. It's not able to make its loans. It stopped importing a lot of goods. A lot of its industries have shut down. And the situation there seems to be very pathetic right now. Really? Um, so last episode, we were talking about India's connection with Pakistan. 
do you see anything getting resolved in the near future? I don't know, right? Typically, when a com a country's economy really deteriorates, it goes to war. Hmm. You think Pakistan's in the state to fight a war right now? I think yeah. nowadays this may not apply as well because this is like an it's a historical thing where when a country's economy really depreciates, it goes to war because mm-hmm. you know that's one way to repair it, right? It unites all of your people first of all, and secondly, you know, if you win, you get resources from that other country. But right now, in the modern world, the weaponry we have, this is no longer possible. So I'm not sure what is going to happen, but it might say get into conflicts more with India or Afghanistan or other countries. I see. Okay. But Pakistan as a country is in a fucked up situation right now. There are people fighting for food and there's starvation going on in some places. Is it very hard to leave a country like that when it's stuck in that position? It depends on how skilled you are. I mean, if you're a regular Pakistani guy, then yeah, almost impossible to leave. But mm-hmm. if you are, say, some kind of high-end doctor, then probably easier to go somewhere else. Right. Because I recall when Afghanistan was at its worst, uh, women could not even walk around without their husbands. So my question is, hypothetically, if a woman did want to leave, and let's say she wanted to run away from home, is that even a possibility? Or are you just immediately going to get caught and placed back to your place? I don't really know. In the sense, this is less of a country's economic stability and more about more of an Islam thing. In the mm, sense, okay. in Afghanistan, it wasn't like they weren't stopping women because the country was dead broke, right? They were stopping women from going anywhere because they were following Islam. So I'm not particularly sure how things are life like as a woman in Pakistan. Maybe they have the same rule, maybe they don't. But I think this is more of an Islam thing, not an economy thing. Not a geopolitics thing. Okay. Interesting. Man, the location that you're in, you should be very grateful if your country is not in war. And because these are the stuff that it's very easy to take for granted, especially when times are good, uh, because you're not dealing with it. That's where documentaries, I wouldn't say it gives you the full picture, but every now and then it just opens up your perspective in a way where you're thinking, oh, whoa, I didn't know it was that bad in another place. It makes you somewhat more grateful for where you're at. It makes you a lot more grateful, actually. And I, I can tell that for certainty because I know quite a few people who live in slums. Mm. I know them from back in college and what have you. Uh, Have you ever lived in a slum? No. You were broke for a while, weren't you? Never so broke that I lived in a slum. I lived in a chawl, which is a bit different from a slum, but somewhere between a proper organized place and a slum is a chawl. I grew up in a chawl, actually. I don't know if you you know what a chawl is. You showed it to me in one of our past episodes where there's a bunch of complexes next to each other. I don't even know what to call it. Are they like apartment style somewhat? Yeah, let me show you an image again so that it's a bit of a reminder, especially for people who have never seen it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I grew up in a shawl and it's it's a little like what you see from a ghetto in your country. Right. Was a shawl, I mean, do poor people live there? Poorer people live there, yes. 
<laughs> okay, okay, okay. So that's not I mean, a place where people live in slums, but mm-hmm. who are her people? They live in shawls. Copy image link. Also, it's it's a it's a step up from a slum. It's a massive step up from a slum, but it isn't. It, I would not call it like a, a. I don't know what's the right word for it, but it's somewhere between a slum and a properly constructed building type thing. Okay. I mean, did you have your own room? Yeah, later on, not not right away. Okay. So I just found some Google images. Dang man. What's yeah, like, it seems me... like a it seems like a level up from a slum, but it still doesn't seem pleasant. It seems like an apartment complex, actually. It's actually pretty decent to live in, in the sense. Back when I was a kid, I never noticed that I'm living in like a <laughs> rundown house. <laughs> <laughs> Like this is how it's like. Man, that does not look good at all, my dude. Yeah, but as a kid, you just don't realize it. You know, you're used to this environment. It's all you've seen, and the people around you are very, very friendly and nice. Okay. In fact, where I live now, it's much more socially disconnected. I live in a much more upscale place now. If if I had to give my house on rent, it would easily go for five, six thousand dollars. My point is. Damn. Uh, and you live exactly. in a big place. It's not big, big, but it's, it's decently big. My okay. point is that as a kid, I never realized that it was a rundown area because, you know, as a kid, you just don't know. As, as a kid, a place, you may have more fun in this place that you're showing me versus where you live now. So you said exactly, it's disconnected. Everybody knew each other. All the kids would play and they would come to my house like, hey, come down to play. Mm. Yeah, it looked a lot like this where I used to live as a kid. Dang, dude. Did you have electricity and everything? Yeah, we had running water, electricity, everything. TV, all the facilities are there inside. It's just a building of shit. <laughs> oh, you had a TV as well? Yes. I don't know. It's LED TV. Which um, There's something about being poor and having an LED TV. I don't know why. Go on. That that doesn't make sense to me, man. When I think poor, I, the last thing I picture is the TV. I would assume that what you guys did for fun were walkie-talkies or something, max, in terms of technology. But an LED TV... I just can't connect these two ideas. Yeah, we had computers too. You had computers See, too? Those things aren't expensive, right? Compared to property, it's not expensive. I'm having a look at ghettos. I'm trying to compare. Yeah, ghettos are cleaner than a chawl, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I mean, with ghettos, it it really depends. Like Some places are really bad, but other places, it's bad relative to the other places. What's the worst ghetto in your country? Um, Let me search. Type in Chicago ghetto. Okay, so I've found the worst ghetto in your country. Dude, what you showed me with the chawl, I would say that's worse than most of the ghettos <laughs> in the US. What, what did you type? I mean, I, I'm seeing palm trees and everything. Type in Chicago ghetto. <laughs> Hey, this looks pretty good. It reminds me of a GTA game. Yeah. I would say the infrastructure, the reason it's really bad is because of the gang violence and the the crack selling. I, I would say the lifestyle around the ghetto is worse than the actual living facility. Man, I was having a look at this. There is something called Skidrow. 
And apparently, it's like this. Mm. Even your poor people have a goddamn camp to live in. <laughs> That's our version of a slum. I wonder what it's like to own a building next to this stuff. I would get security, like throw these people out, let them go, and make the camp elsewhere, not around my building. Man, that gets difficult because a lot of these homeless guys nowadays I see, they're getting pretty scary looking. Uh, a lot of them are muscular. I one time I was walking down the street and I saw this muscular homeless guy, like, huh, huh, huh. like he was not right. He was on drugs or something. And I thought, hypothetically, if he attacks me right now, he may beat me up. Like he's a big muscular dude. I don't know how he got so muscular just being a homeless guy. I mean, you don't get your meals in routinely. Probably hell... some kind of steroids he's taking. Why would a homeless guy do steroids? I feel like he has other priorities to take care of. I mean, from what I understand, a lot of the dealers they're buying drugs from also mm-hmm. sell all these other things. So he probably said, I want to be bigger. Can you make me bigger? Gotcha, man. Every now and then, um, these homeless guys, like, the hungrier that they get, the more aggressive that they get. And the boulder that they get. One time I was going to Wendy's and these homeless guys are literally standing right in front of the door where they're basically indicating, hey, give us some money, then you can enter in. And I'll, I'll see that. And I'm th- I'm a pretty big guy, so I'm not scared of them like that uh, because these guys weren't the big homeless guys. If they were the big ones, we may have a problem. But imagine you're a tiny girl that's trying to go into Wendy's and you see these these guys that are just covering the door and now you have to pull out your purse and try to barter with them. What's the homeless situation like over there? Do homeless guys, a lot of people, a lot of, there's a lot of people living on the roads mm-hmm. in the cities, but none of them have, have the balls to do what you're describing. They would get beat up by the police so bad that they wouldn't even remember their name if they tried that. Really? They'd get beat up? Oh yeah. The police is going to beat the crap out of you if you're poor. <laughs> <If you're poor. laughs> but police don't mess with rich people. Right? It's okay, funny. Okay. Police will not mess with you if you're rich. Are you bigger than a lot of the police? Because uh, sometimes I look at the police and they don't look intimidating to me. The police isn't intimidating. The only thing is that if you attack a police officer, I mean, it's it's actually a big offense here. So. And of course, you know, the police officer is likely to attack you in a group with his other friends and have a stick and what have you. Mm. And these homeless guys are like frail people. They're not eating that much food and they live under a bridge or some stupid shit like that. Mm-hmm. The thing is that if homeless people misbehave, they typically get beaten up. Okay. Have you ever seen that before? A homeless guy get beaten up typically mm-hmm. by other homeless people. By other homeless people? Okay, I, wasn't I don't know why. That. I've just seen that in the street a couple of times. Have you ever seen someone get uh, someone steal before and they got caught and they got attacked? It's very rare to get stolen from in India. I mean, pickpocketing, sure, but that you don't get caught for, right? I mean, that by definition, every once now, in a while you hear of someone getting pickpocketed, but it's not common. Man, one time I went to Bangladesh and this guy stole and he got caught. And a group of people uh, circle him and they're like, Jor, 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 which means thief. thief. And I don't know if they beat him up, but they surrounded him. And I think he got slapped at least, he got slapped up. 
I've heard that in some parts of the country, both in Bangladesh, India, and South Asia in general, they make you nude and parade you around. <laughs> they make you nude? Yeah, they, they, they remove all your clothes and make parade you around. You know, thief, thief. Man, dude. Okay, so you've never seen that where someone steals and they get harassed? No, it's very, very... Crime is very low in India. It's not common at all. And people are self-policing, you know. I have seen a case where there's a homeless guy on drugs and he's trying to steal a steel pole. In the sense, he breaks up the pole and he wants to sell it for scrap metal. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of people gather up and beat the living daylights out of him. Okay, so there's a lot of self-policing that goes on. Yeah, the culture here is pretty good. I mean, the crime in India is very exaggerated. Very exaggerated. If you're a Western white-skinned tourist, you won't be, you know, robbed or what have you, but people will just, you know, be fascinated by you and ask for selfies. Mm. So I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect experience. Some people are going to be annoying to you. Be like, can I take a selfie, madam? Can I take a selfie, madam? Just because they're white. Yeah, just because they're white. You could be a white guy, any white guy. And be like treated as a celebrity in certain parts of India, especially poorer people. They think you, white guys like I gotta take a photo with the white guy. <laughs> wow! So a lot of the white guys, the passport bros of the white population, should come to India. You think they could get no, laid man. easily? They could get laid easily, but it, it's also annoying to be white in India in some places, not all places. If you live in a city in India, then sure, but expect. Poor people in tourist places to be like, can I get a selfie? Can I get a selfie? Because Do you see poor white Indians, living in India, a lot of them actually. Because poor Indians, what? Because poor people, poor Indians. I don't know why they have a fascination with white people and they want a picture with them. Like, this is an interesting creature I just spotted. It is just like a human, except that it's white. I mean, I could see why because they're definitely an outlier over there. What about if see, they see a black guy? I don't think anyone's taking a picture with a black guy in India. I mean, Indians really? are racist. And Indians are openly racist in the sense that they don't care about racism as a concept. You know, they if you ask an Indian, like the average Indian, like, are white people better than black people? They would say yes. Mm. Okay, and so... I don't mean, I, I don't think they're like, they don't, they, they know of the concept of racism. They don't care about all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. In their minds, it's typically that white people equal to rich, therefore it's better. Black people equal to poor, so not as good. And they're used to idealizing Western con- countries in general. So they, they think of white people as better than other races. Isn't that also the beauty standard where the, the fair yeah, and so lovely movement? Fair skin is better, yes. Fair skin mm. is highly preferred in India. The fairer your skin as a girl, the more prettier you will be considered. What if you're a pretty girl, but your skin is dark? Will that be enough for a lot of parents to say to their son, find someone else? If you're a pretty girl, see, the definition of pretty considers your skin in India. So yeah. if you're excessively dark, then it's very hard to be qualified as pretty here. Okay. Aren't there like a lot of these items that they sell to make you whiter? Oh yeah, the skin lightening creams and what have you. I think Did there you are ever buy injections one? now. No, no. I'm are you pretty fair? fair? Naturally, I'm very fair, yes. Do you consider me fair or am I considered dark by beauty standards? You are the tanned version of me. Oh, so you're lighter than me? 
Yeah. Okay. But is it big for guys too? Or is Not it more so staple for girls? It's more of a girl thing. Girls want okay. to be fair. I don't think guys give a shit about being fair. I, I've never heard a guy think like, I'm going to apply fair and lovely skin cream. <laughs> girls do that shit. Guys don't give a fuck. Is that how you got so light, my dude? <laughs> I was born light. Okay. Okay. So, okay. That's a pretty big thing then. The light skin. Um, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did see a documentary on that. And I heard that there's a lot of people that sell supplements on it. It's not just the the lotion and the cream, but they have uh, added packages as well. I think there are even injections now which are supposed to make your skin lighter. I think that's overkill. You know, I, I get creams and everything, but if you're a chick, mm-hmm. you're injecting the stuff in your body to get fair skin. Why? I mean, who cares? Do marriages ever not go through because the girl is too dark? If a guy comes and says, I want to marry this girl and the girl is too dark, probably the parents are going to be like, are you sure we can find you a fairer girl and, you know, more beautiful girl, what have you. But I I would be surprised if a marriage didn't go through solely for this reason. A lot of marriages don't go through because of caste, though. That's much more important. And it's still very important. For marriages, it's still very important. Even in, let's say the family is very modern, do they care a lot too? No, modern families do not, but more conservative families, they do. Like my family really cares about this type of stuff. They won't care about it in everyday life, but when it comes to marriage, they're like, you want this caste girl. Like, why the hell do you care about this? And if you don't get someone from that caste, would they veto it? Yeah, pretty much. How much say do the parents have? let's say a conservative family like yourself not that much say actually a lot of say goes to the grandparents and the older people in the house right so the way it works in joint families like you know where you have grandparents and a bunch of other people living is that decision that's made for marriage is a bit of a family decision not just your decision because Mm -hmm. the girl ends up moving in with your family not just you and they have to live with her as well and they typically make good decisions on your behalf. Like I've, you rarely hear of them fucking up. A lot of divorces happen when the guy just marries some chick the family doesn't approve of. But okay. when the family picks a girl, they, they make sure that everything lines up. So in most cases, there are no problems. Mm-hmm. What's the likelihood of a conservative Indian bringing home a white person? low very low if that did happen hypothetically would that be an issue because technically they're not in any caste yeah so that's considered worse (laughs) that's considered worse yeah that's considered the worst of the worst in the sense that there are the four castes and there are people outside the caste system and the people outside the caste system were treated horribly when i say horribly i mean like in extremely humiliating and horrible ways and technically, if you are a foreigner, you are outside the caste system. So technically, you are supposed to be treated in that horrible way, which, of course, as I and most modern people do not agree with. But you ask all these like grandma, grandma type mm-hmm. people, they, are, they, they grew up in a completely different environment than us. And they're like, I can see that. You know, they, they're more, what's the word for it? 
traditional. They, they, they do reject this culture nowadays, like this whole, you know, you're supposed to treat a lower caste person differently. But their rejection of it is not as strong as, say, my rejection to it. Like, I, dis- I would dismiss it entirely. I don't give a shit about caste. Are you but going to enforce that with your kids? I would not. I, I mean, I don't know until I've g- I'm given the option, but I would be highly surprised. Okay. Man, I didn't know that the casting was that big in, in certain families, even nowadays. It, it used to be very big earlier. Nowadays, it's not big in anything except for marriage in the sense that earlier you could not even be friends with a lower caste person or you could not touch them or eat from their plate or drink from the same tap as them. Nowadays, there are there's no restriction like this. No one cares except when it's time to get married, then suddenly it's important. What's the highest caste? Brahman? In Hinduism, the highest caste is a Brahman. And in Buddhism, the highest caste is Kshatriya, which is the king's. Okay, let's stick with Hinduism real quick. And what's the lowest caste in Hinduism? Is it Sudra? The lowest caste is a Shudra, yes. Okay, has there ever been a time where the Brahmin was broke and the Sudra was rich? Historically, Brahmins have always been broke. Even today, I think about 50% of Brahmins are below the poverty line. Brahmins are not supposed to have money in Hinduism. Like They're supposed to be satisfied with very little and focus on their austerities and what have you. And they're not supposed to be greedy or want money. So historically, mm-hmm. Brahmins have been broke, except say in the last 100, 150 years where some Brahmins got some more money because they started taking more money. But if you were to study history, Brahmins have been extremely poor in most cases, living in bad conditions and what have you. So the caste system, it serves as a filtration system pretty much for your family line. It's not necessarily factoring in economic growth, wealth, etc. Exactly. Like I told you, right, my mother's family is extremely well-connected, much better off than my father's family, but my mom and father, dad still got married because he, same caste, the guy is educated, get married. Interesting. This would not happen today. Like Nowadays, they care much more about economics than they care about caste. But they still care about caste. The closest I've heard about this is, uh, I knew this guy in the US. His name is Rahul. Um, I'm not going to say his last name. And he is so whitewashed. But whenever there's this major Hindu ceremony or festival, suddenly he becomes uh, super Indian. He'll do the Diwali, the Karba, everything. And he always hypes up his caste. Uh, I believe he's a Brahmin, so he, he'll he say it like that. He'll say, well, I'm a Brahmin, so only Brahmin girls can talk to me. And <laughs> it, it's hilarious because he is not, uh, he's not culturally connected at all, but he'll be culturally connected only when it benefits him. It's hilarious. That's the same everywhere, actually. Like, I know a bunch of Muslims who take a bunch of drugs and they fuck girls on Tinder and what have you. But when it's time to get married, suddenly they're Orthodox Muslims and they want like <laughs> Orthodox Muslim girl. <laughs> I literally know a guy like that, man. And he always has these spurts uh, where he'll say, oh, yeah, I'm praying five times a day. I'm super religious now. We're like, all right, the countdown begins. We always have bets for when he's going to go back to his <laughs> low life standards. <laughs> it, it's, man, the, this it's, guy, a, it's a human nature thing, right? We can't have purity for long, but go on. Yeah, this guy ended up, so he's Palestinian, and he ended up marrying a Spanish girl. 
And uh, there was some controversy in the beginning because uh, she was Christian and he was Muslim. But after doing some research, she decided to convert. So after she converted, they got married in February 2020. And literally the next month, the lockdowns happen. And he and his wife get a house and her parents move in. And apparently the in-laws were uh, so annoying to live with. And it was just hilarious because I know over there, like, it's normal to live with your in-laws from the very beginning. But here, when you get married, you want that space to yourself in the beginning. You know, you're going to flirt with your wife. You're, you're going to get to know her. But there's the in-laws and they're very active. So he was, I had a call with him recently and he was just telling me about his life being married to a Spanish girl. What is it like to be married to a Spanish girl? Does she there, want to go out and see? No, so surprisingly, Spanish folks and brown folks are not that different. They're similar in very, a lot of regards. They're very close to their family. They throw these little get-togethers, dawats every now and then. Uh, both uh, cultures are known to be cheap. Like I said, they have a lot in common. The biggest difference between brown folks and Spanish folks is the concept of step. Do you know what I mean by this? No. Like, if I go to a Spanish party, the, the person who's hosting will, will be like, yo, man, this is my stepdad, this is my stepmom, my stepsister, um, my stepdog. The concept of step exists there. But if you go to a brown party, the only time you're going to hear step is when someone points you to the staircase. So that's the biggest difference between uh, brown folks and Spanish folks. So it's very interesting to see this guy marrying a Spanish girl because... Um, I think there's a lot of steps in her family, like stepbrother, stepsister. Uh, so th that's just a disconnect I've noticed uh, where a lot of Spanish folks, um, like initially the marriage doesn't work out. So they find someone else. They'll have kids with someone else. Now, you know, the, the family is much more, I would say, spread expanded, apart. spread apart. Yes. So um, where his family, it's, uh, I mean, like his mom's hijabi, his dad uh, is super traditional. So it's interesting to see how they're going to get along. Man, I would not marry a girl from that culture. Mm -hmm. So I, I have noticed. a few friends who are Spanish. Go on. Do you know anyone that gets uh, like got divorced? Like, is that common? Within it's your not circle? common. It's mm -hmm. not common. In India, it's pretty rare. Do you know Speaking anyone who's like Spanish, a stepbrother? Though. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I know a couple of people who are from Spain, uh, from business. I know at least two guys who live in Spain and are Spanish. And they're like, people in Spain are really lazy in the sense that, so in Germany and these countries, you hire somebody, they show up on time, they fix your thing, they go home. In Spain, you have to call the plumber five times and he shows up once. So apparently Spain is a little more laid back and more of a lazier culture, according to the Spanish people I've spoken to. And from what I understand, I've kind of spoken to a few Portuguese people as well. Spain is one of the poorer countries, right? Spain, Romania, Portugal, all of these are more poor European countries. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm surprised they have all this whole step thing. Usually all this cultural degradation comes in with money. So if you live in a poor country and you have the cultural degradation, then it's the worst of both worlds, you know? Yeah. I don't know if the concept of step exists too much in overseas, actual Spanish countries, but I know in the U.S. I've noticed that 
from personal observation, of course, where I'll see someone who um, has a stepdad and the their own dad ended up marrying someone else. And now they have the dad ended up having three new kids. So this person that I knew now has step siblings. So it's a very <laughs> big family unit. And a lot of them have a lot of kids and they get they get pregnant early too, from what I've noticed. What happens if your dad marries a stepdaughter? If the dad marries a stepdaughter, well, that is weird. And I actually think that's what happened with Elon Musk's dad. Didn't it? Didn't his he marry dad his, married his stepdaughter? Didn't he knock up his stepdaughter or something? Let me see. No, but let's say your dad marries your stepdaughter. Then is he your you know, son-in-law or your dad? <laughs> Man, I don't know. But one article from the Indian Express, Elon Musk's father reveals he had child with a stepdaughter. Man, I can't wait for the stupid culture to die out. Earl Musk on dating his stepdaughter, Jana Bezuidenhout. I don't know what, what culture kind of you're talking about because I think they're I think they're African, aren't they? Oh, Elon is African? Yeah, isn't Elon Musk from... Wasn't he born in Africa or something? I don't know, man. Does Africa have its own culture in the sense that you never hear about of some kind of African empire or something? I think they're pretty much Christian, right? Mm, I don't know. I'm very in the sense on you, that field. For example, like Japanese, I'm aware they have their own religion, culture. Chinese, yes. Indians, yes. I don't, know, I don't know much about South America and Africa, but from what I understand, when the British found them, there wasn't much there. Like, you know how when the British found stake North America, they like when they came to India, right? The British came to India, there were kingdoms here and people had culture, cities and everything. Mm -hmm. But when they went to North America, it was, there was nothing there in the sense there was a bunch of, you know, what's the word for Native American, Red Indians or Native Americans or whatever you call them. And they had their, tribes and what have you but there was no organization there were no cities etc same with australia you know there were these aborigines and they were you know hitting up kangaroos with boomerangs but they didn't have buildings or society as we define society mm -hmm. so i'm not sure how it was like in africa but i had never heard of a native african religion or if they, if there is let me know the name i mean maybe there is some major religion from africa that we're not aware of but from my understanding it's mostly you know it was pretty much uncivilized and the British gave them Christianity or someone else gave them Christianity. I actually did hear that they were very spiritual and they had specific religions. Um, but I don't know much about this. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you know, if, I'm, if it's turning out, you know, I'm being offensive and you know, about to be canceled. Then no, no, try no. canceling me, bitches. <laughs> Bring yeah, it no. on. <laughs> <laughs> Life, math, money, declaring war on Africa. <laughs> I have no problem with Africa. I have quite a few friends from Africa now from Twitter. I just don't know much about its history or culture. I haven't really been taught much about it in school, except for Egypt, which was very developed historically. When mm -hmm. I say Africa, I mean things like the Central African Republic and things like that. Man, there was some sort of religion, though, that I read in a book, but I don't know enough to speak about it, like even formulate a thought on it. But there were certain religions prior to Christianity. And then once the Christians came, they converted a lot of the village folks into Christians. And apparently this caused a lot of conflict because 
the local African village had their own religion and they expected their sons to carry out that religion, but a lot of their sons converted to Christianity. So there was some infighting that was going on. I read it in a book, but I don't know the name of the religion. Anyways, let me Google it. I'm Googling it, but I I don't find anything. I, I see a bunch of just watered down articles about African belief systems. Um, uh, maybe the Africans need to popularize their own stuff more. You know, like we're not supposed to have to find it. You know, if you're an African guy, you're listening to the podcast, maybe start a blog about, you know, how Africa's history was like, because I'm, I'm going to guarantee you, no one knows about this stuff. At least I, as an Indian guy, have zero idea about Africa. The only thing I know about Africa is that we used to trade with Egypt and we had to trade you through the Arabs and the Arabs would take a big cut and everything would become more expensive for you know, Egypt. Right. Is that a place you'd ever go? Africa? Egypt, yes. Egypt, I would go to. It depends, you know. I would not go to a lot of African countries without security. Like, would I step into Ghana without security? No. Nigeria, no. Niger, no. Chad, no. Morocco, maybe. I don't know. Egypt, I, I could go there. Algeria, no. I would not go there. Chad, no. BRC, no. CAR, no. So I don't know. Republic of Congo, I probably would not go. South Africa, I might go. Madagascar, mm-hmm. I might go. Zimbabwe, no. So most of these African countries, I would not go to. Like Somalia, I'm not stepping there. Swaziland, not going to go there. Rwanda, I might go to. Rwanda, I've heard, is a good place to be. Gotcha. Out of curiosity, um, so the British invaded India uh, how long ago? Over a century ago? 400 years ago. A couple of well, centuries. they didn't invade India at first. They kind of set up a trading outpost. And what happened was that the Indian Empire at that time, called the Modern mm-hmm. Empire, it kind of collapsed. And the British took advantage of the situation and were able to capture India. They basically, after, when it collapsed, it split up into pieces, right? So the British would go to one guy and be like, hey, we're going to support you if you declare war against that guy. Mm-hmm. And that guy would fight. They would make two people fight. And, you know, of course, when you fight, both of you become broke as fuck. And then the British would take both of them. I see. So what are the ripple effects of all of that nowadays? Uh, are the British curriculum often taught in Indian schools? Somewhat. A lot of it is taught in Indian schools in a mm-hmm. modified way. But the right. biggest legacy of the British is one, the fact that India is now the largest English-speaking country in the world. Second legacy is that for the past 50, 60 years, India was broke as fuck. The third legacy is that India is a united country, which is, if you see the history of India, India has this history of you know getting united by some big empire, then completely breaking up into small parts and getting united by a big empire, then breaking up into small parts. It's kind of like China in a way, you know, in that sense, you know, it breaks up, unites, breaks up, unites. But mm-hmm. the British legacy is that kind of united India in many ways. And now India is one country under one government, which is something the British created for a long while. Before that, it was a more modern empire, but it wasn't all of India. Modern empire still had, you know, rebel places. They were pretty large, maybe larger than Texas. Then the India-Pakistan conflict is also a legacy of the British. 
But if you think mm-hmm. about it, it's not like the British could have done any better in that regard. If they had just not done the split, there would still be conflicts, and then people would say, "Hey, they should have split the country in two. And because mm-hmm. they did the split, there is a conflict that you know they split the country in two, and now there's war between these countries. So, I think the British were just like they pretty much had no way to win in that scenario. Right. Are there pockets of people that expect reparations from the British? Not particularly. I mean, it might be said as a political point internationally, but no one actually expects the British people to pay anything. Mm-hmm. So there's Plus, not that much ill will among the British, especially nowadays. See, people do not. People have big problems in their own lives, right? They don't have time to think about, hey, the British Empire did that so many times years ago. Mm-hmm. So th- there's not a lot of ill will per se a lot of time has passed and people would prefer to have their wealth back obviously but yeah people recognize it's not going to come back so they want to work for the future they're not they're not bitter about it in the sense that you know how black people in america are bitter about white people in the sense a lot of them hate white people like white bad they're all racist that type of stuff a lot of black people have in america we don't have that here. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, because every now and then some politicians try to play on those points. They'll say they did us wrong in the past, so we need to get what's ours. I'm surprised no politicians stepped up with those talking points. The thing is that it would be the case if the British were still, there were like a bunch of British people living here. Politicians exploit these gaps when there are people to divide, right? They kind of, for example, in your country, they will make the black people rise up like the blacks. They have been discriminated against. They were enslaved by the whites because it makes black people vote for them reliably. And then they win an election. Here, what are they going to do? The British suck. Like, yeah, we, everybody agree they suck. Like, <laughs> no one's going to vote for you for saying that. So they basically I've been seeing some whole... viral clips of like some, some really angry Indian guy saying, we will now colonize the colonizers. You haven't heard yeah, that? I've seen that stuff, but that's not because India isn't colonizing the British in any way right now. At least not by being strong. It's not like sending its army there to colonize it, right? What's basically happening is that the British are collapsing culturally and foreigners, or I would not say foreigners, but immigrants or what have you, the Indians and Pakistanis there, mm-hmm. they're breeding faster than the native white population, which means that eventually... They're going to be, you know, British would be like India. Like the people there would be Indian. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of brown people live in UK. I think that if I was running the UK, I would try to keep my culture, country. I don't want to say racially pure because it's a more politically charged term. Mm-hmm. But if I knew that my people were breeding at such a low rate, I would not invite in a foreign people who breed at very high rates. Because the math, I can prove this mathematically that you will eventually just have the foreign race left and you would not be around anymore. Mm-hmm. What's it like though in India? Do a lot of, is that a dream place where your friends say, you know what, one day I'm going to make it out of India and go to a place like UK? Do they say that? Some people think that way. 
in the sense there are some people who are who really like the west they're like west good india bad those type of people yes but uh, most people like india most people who live here like here like it here the culture is good here the weather is good here mm-hmm. a lot of people move abroad because it helps them make more money would you but, ever move abroad i mean it depends you know like it it really depends on what time of the year it is sometimes i'm here sometimes i'm there type of thing no like permanently not permanently it it depends but you would never catch me in dubai in the summer not going to do that yeah but where india is no longer a home instead it's a place you visit every now and then would it ever no, come to no, that no. point okay so india is always going to be home for you i don't know right it's a big prediction to make mm-hmm. for now i don't think so I saw this documentary of a guy, that Indian guy. He's 27ish and his dad lives like a king in India. But this guy uh leaves India to live in Australia and he lives in this tiny studio apartment. Uh he's working his ass off and his dad always says, "Listen, whenever you want to move back and live like a king, you can." But the Australian boy is like, "No, dad, I want my freedom." So he just living in this tiny studio in Australia. and freedom <laughs> <laughs> freedom is eating kellogg's chips or cereal i mean okay okay what if you did want to move out would your parents say nope oh no they would not say no but if i wanted to move out i could just move out right i wouldn't need permission mhm but i don't want to move out i like my family my family likes me and i want my kids to grow up around you know the grandma grandpa what have you Yeah, to add on to this, this Australian guy. So he's 27 and uh, if you're 30 and not married within that culture, it, it's seen as a very bad thing. So it's basically chronicling his life and, and now he's 29. He's about to th- turn 30, but he can't find any girl that he vibes with in Australia. So one day he calls his dad and he's like, "Dad, I'm ready to come to India and I'm open to you finding me a wife." And the dad is very well connected in India. So he says, "All right, The son comes to India and the dad begins to introduce him to a bunch of girls and one of the girls this guy vibes with the Australian boy but then uh, the Australian boy is uh, like look we're going to move to Australia but once we move there you are not going to be living like a princess you're going to have to work okay we're going to have to get a 40 hour a week job and it's going to be like this for many years if not forever and then the girl just calls it off she's like I don't want this shit I want to stay in India <laughs> So so he leaves uh India without a wife and um that's what happened. So uh is that a concept? I mean do a lot of folks at a certain point leave the good life in India because they want their freedom in another country? I would say not because of the freedom but mm-hmm. largely because it pays much better in the sense if you yeah. have to work a job in India, right? Mhm. The there are no labor laws in india as such i mean there are but no one enforces them so let's say that you are working at a corporate you will probably be working 10 hours a day and commuting 3 hours every day so you will wake up at 6 am get ready go for your job reach your job maybe leave for your job at 7 7:15 reach your job at 9:15 9:30 then work until 8 o'clock and then come home by 10 So you will not have much time for your family, kids, what have you except on the weekends and you might even be working on the Saturday. 
So it sucks to work a job in India. That's the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And if you want to work a job, a lot of people really, really want to go abroad because in Canada, USA, Europe, they have an eight-hour workday, so you get quite a bit of time for yourself. And the commute is not nearly as bad. The trains are not as crowded, and the mm-hmm. money is better. I see. See, I, there I are many practical that. reasons of going abroad. Yeah, I can understand that if they, they want to move because of a full-time job. But a lot of the times, what I notice is that their fathers have very successful businesses, but they still move out. Um, like my neighbor, I, I told you about. It was this Indian guy um, in his twenty seventh, and he knows about the Life Math Money brand. <laughs> he doesn't know that me and you have a podcast together because this was in two thousand twenty or two thousand nineteen. So it would have been funny if he's just like, wait a minute. Wait, my neighbor uh, <laughs> does a podcast with Life Math Money, <laughs> so he's heard of your brand. But who's living in um, uh, a few doors down from me, and he used to always talk about how his dad owned a carpet manufacturing business in India, and he made a lot of money. And I asked this guy, like, "Well, why are you here for? Why aren't you over there?" And he's just like, "I mean, I ask myself this all the time." So he's doing this very poor job, man. Like he he doesn't even make that much money here. And one day he just had enough. He's like, I'm going back home. So, you know, I said bye to him. And we follow each other on Instagram. So he moves to India and now he's working for his dad's business. And he just got married immediately once he went to India. So now he's back. But I noticed every now and then, even if the dad is doing very well, where the son now just has to take over the business, they decide to leave for a little bit. And some never come back, and some do. Rebel phase where kids are like, "I'm gonna do something different." Did you tweet about this one time? I have no memory. I might have. I don't remember. Okay. But oh yeah, I remember now. I think you're talking about the tweet I said where typically the Indians who go abroad to study are not our best and brightest. They're they're average students who go abroad because our best and brightest get placed in universities in India, it's the one who could not go to the good Indian universities who go abroad. Mm. Because if you go to the average Indian university, you're going to get a shitty job. That's the reality. So unless you make it to a great Indian university, you're fucked. But if you have money, what you could do is you could buy a seat in a good foreign university. And this way you can get a better job. Right. And Indians that come here, dude, they are amazing with IT. Anything IT related, you should hire an Indian because these guys, they just know it. And there's, they just intuitively know it. And some people build IT companies. They build an actual business out of it. Others just work for Fortune 500 companies as the IT staff. If you ever walk into uh, one of these Fortune 500 companies and you go on the IT floor, Boom, man, you smell curry left and right. And you look and it's all Indians. And these guys get it. These guys are very easy to work with. Um, and this is the perfect job, what I've noticed. And I talked to some Indians before. I said, how do you guys do IT so well? And some of the folks, they said, man, my culture, my religion, if you understand Hinduism very deeply, you'll understand the internet. I don't know what he meant by that, but but <laughs> he was trolling you, my friend. Yeah, but the thing is, there's just a lot of connections that the IT company and the Indian 
they have the synergistic relationship. Who knows, man? I think a lot of it is because setting up an IT company doesn't require that much money starting as any other business. A lot of people in the past few years when they started up a business, mm-hmm. it had something to do with IT for that reason where you could do this business without a lot of capital. Right. But I've got to get going before all the Indians start cancelling us for calling them a bunch of curry eaters. So. Curry eaters? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, we had questions. Do you want to answer them or next episode? Let's answer them. Okay. Um, hey, Harsh and Armand, can you please suggest any good ways to break up or just do it? Love the conversation like always. The best way to break up is to just tell her, okay, we should stop seeing each other for whatever reason. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to, you definitely want to, if you're the guy that's ending it, you want to give your reasoning as to why. And once you do, you cut it off 110%. Because after a breakup, there's always a thing called the dance, which I've brought up in a past episode. And it's a quick way to waste your time. So once you end it, end it completely, and make sure you're ending it for a good reason. Uh, don't just have the grasses greener mindset. Make sure it's a good reason. Once you follow your logic through, then let her know and end it. Go North Carolina, aka no contact. Well, yeah, for the socially inept guys, when when we say reason, it doesn't have to be the real reason in the sense that if you think a girl is too fat and you're breaking up with her because she's losing weight, don't tell her I'm breaking up with you because you're getting fat. I mean, you should have warned her that she's getting fat but let's say let's let me give a different reason if you're breaking up with her because you met a hotter girl don't tell her that give her a different reason but give her some reason right um hey arman that titanic shit test was a good example i'm definitely trying it uh, caveat with that for anyone who didn't know about the titanic example i said that you know after a long time uh, as an adult once you watch Titanic, uh, you start to look at Rose in a different way. You start to think, eh, she's not a good person. She's a hoe. She's pretty much cheating on her husband. So every now and then, the sh- shit test is you go to your girl and you ask her, is what Rose did right or wrong? And the winners, the green flag girls are going to say, you know what? What she did was wrong. She cheated on Cal. Uh, but the caveat is that a lot of people watch the movie Titanic from an emotional eye. So they're not trying to think the logic through and everything. They're just uh, enthralled with the storyline of Titanic. So even if it's a good girl, a lot of them are just going to say, Rose did nothing wrong. So just keep that in mind. On the flip side, if she hypothetically still says Rose messed up, then that's a massive green flag. But don't disqualify her completely if she's just resonating so much with the Titanic storyline that she's undermining Rose's actions. Okay. Mm. Uh, there's another one. This one's pretty long, but it's not a question. It's more so an observation. Cool if I read it out real quick? Sure. Um, so this is from Karan Sataman Singh. Hi, Harsh and Arman. I would like to point out that the definition of Dharma that Harsh talks about is wrong. Dharma comes from the root Sanskrit word dar, which means to sustain or support. Dharma means that which holds together different aspects of an object into a whole. In an easy way, you can say that the true nature of something means dharma. Dharma of fire is to burn. 
Dharma of a human as a Kshastra is to fight. Bhakti is a part of um, Dharmic tradition as it is a way to know the divine nature, Dharma of a human as the Vedas proclaim. Bhakti is supposed to be a so intense that it takes you into a certain meditative state. It's supposed to be a form of meditation in which all you have in your mind is the object of your meditation, which is the God you worship. Bhakti practiced in this way is non-existent in today's world. Yeah, everything he said is retarded. Move on. In the sense, dharma cannot be translated to English correctly. And there are multiple meanings of it depending on the context. And this is an example of where a guy thinks he knows something and is trying to smile, sound smart, but he doesn't actually know it. There's a lot of different ways you can interpret the word dharma depending on the context. But the most general way is doing the right thing. So like the dharma of a kid could towards his mother could be taking care of his mother, but towards a thief could be beating the shit out of him. So it it's not just the essence of an object. If you get me, like the guy's describing. So this guy is, well, incomplete in his knowledge. Well, I'm not saying I'm complete in my knowledge, but in his case, he's wrong. Regarding the whole bhakti thing, from my understanding, the Vedas do not ask you to do bhakti. It's a very modern concept, maybe the past few hundred years. And you will not find instances of, say, the Lord Ram going to a temple to do bhakti. It's, it's a very modern thing. And personally, this is just my opinion, all the people out there singing songs, thinking it's good, singing songs and taking the Lord's name repeatedly, sending them to heaven are wasting their time. God would have to be real dumb if he was sending people to heaven just because this guy repeatedly was saying God's name. My opinion, you could disagree. But like I said, you could be a rapist, murderer, and just say God's name before you die. And by your logic, this guy will go to heaven, which is completely retarded to me. Go on. Okay. Um, anything else for that before I read the next one? Yeah. The only thing I'm going to say is that how does that even make sense? Like you say God's name right before you die and you're expected to go to heaven. That sounds completely kooky to me in the sense... I could kill, or not me, but let, let's say somebody could kill a thousand people and by this, these people's logic, you could say the God's name right before you die and then God is going to forgive everything and send you to heaven. That makes zero sense to me. Maybe it makes sense to some people, but to me, it does not add up. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Karan, if you have anything to say to that, you could just post a comment. I could read it in the next episode. Um, anything else before I read the next one? No. Uh, EG6GSR. OMAD is 100% safe, but only if your body is healthy. Like if you have blood sugar problems or diabetes, then it may not be safe for you in particular, but there is nothing wrong with it. Don't get it twisted though. Starting OMAD, you're going to go through withdrawals for that first week, but by the second week, you'll start to get used to it. And by the third or fourth, you really won't even feel hungry until it is time for you to eat. Lastly, Make sure if you do it, you are eating enough food. Don't stuff your face until you are uncomfortable, but enough to uh, feel satisfied. I would say that's a pretty accurate description. I mean, the first to second week, it's definitely a learning curve for certain groups of people. And I would say one of the main reasons why is because you really need to work on your water intake because you don't want to drink too much water because you're going to piss out a lot of nutrients. So you got to play with the water. But once you get the water, 
I mean, by even for me, like by the third or fourth day, I wasn't getting super hungry. Where I'm not a guy that gets hangry. You know what that is? Hungry yes. and angry, hangry. I don't really get like that. But I think what he just said is very um, accurate. It takes roughly two to four weeks to somewhat adjust. But for certain folks, it could be done even before that. Um, I'm not sure if it's bad for diabetics. Is it for what reason is it bad for diabetics? I don't know. Um, I don't think I no so. Clue. I mean, uh, to someone listening, we don't know if it's bad for diabetics or not. Intuitively, I would say no, because you're not making your blood sugar spike up. So why would it be bad for you? But this, it's what a commenter is saying. More research needed. Go on. Yes. Uh, Manoj, what do you think about iPad slash Samsung tab in next episode? Samsung tab. Um, I don't know anything about the Samsung tab, but iPads, I've had it before. I don't use it much. So not much opinions in regards to that. I would say tabs in general are a consumer's device. I would not recommend owning one. No one's producing anything on a tab. It's almost always used entirely for consuming things. Gotcha. Um, this is from Shivan Shupandi, 2805. Hey, Arman and Harsh. I'm 18 years old. I have just started my college and also decided to change myself. But here, living in the hostel room, sharing it's just too difficult. My hostel mates always make fun of me when I wake up early, run, exercise, study, and work all day. I'm often made fun in group of student and always classified as boring. I have no friends and always sadly alone in the room, either studying or working. I have nothing to do with those students, but they still make fun of me. What should I do? I often, while sad when they make fun of me, and it started I since I have joined college just months ago, and I don't know what will happen. Please guide me. Send me that question in the chat. I would like to answer it in an article. But my answer is keep doing what you're doing. Most of the people around you, especially in a hostel, are total losers. And I know a bunch of people from back in school who used to treat me the same way and now sometimes ask me, hey, how do you have this? How do you have that? Or can you tell me how I can do this? How do I start a business and what have you? And I make more than this guy makes in a year. I would make that sometimes in the same day. So life gives you what you work for and what the opinions of these retards are is not relevant in the long run. I will answer this question in detail on a blog post. Yeah, and I think Harsh nailed it. I mean, a lot of these guys that you see that are making fun of you, I mean, if you just expand your perspective and look out in the span of 15 to 20 years, you're, first of all, number one, not even going to talk to them. And number two, the only time you probably do talk to them, or you, even if you see them, is on Facebook. So they're not going to be real to your lives. Um, to, so you want to focus on what you're doing right now. I mean, obviously, try to sprinkle in some social skills as well. Don't be super to yourself. But I mean, these guys just seem like losers from the way you're describing them. Divakar, 8909. Hey, I have a question. I'm trying to make money online, and I feel like I don't have a clear path to follow. Even the Twitter guide of yours and the affiliate part isn't working uh, for me. I I tried this for around 2.5 years now, and I made less than $80. Sug <laughs> this is too funny. Suggest me a way to make money online. I see that you have the you. Twitter guide. Send me your ad rate 
on my email address and i will have a look at what you're doing wrong and what can be improved basically if you are the art of the twitter customers the a customer for the art of twitter and you need a review or something or if you think the guide is not working for you you can send me an email i'll have a look at your account tell you what you need to change but most people out there who use it they make 100 bucks a day in about a year of effort which is what we promise interesting um Ishan Singh. Hi, Arman and Harsh. I am student. I first time in my life around $3,000 through a freelance project by Google. It feels tempting to spend it all on expensive iPhone slash other things. How did you resist your temptations when you were at a similar stage? So I don't know about you, Harsh, but for me, I don't really care too much about extravagant stuff where I could like buy a, a nice car but for me, it's utility. I, I just, I will do with a Honda Civic. Um, the only thing every now and then I'll splurge on is a watch, but phones and stuff like that never interested me. So I would say I can't give this guy super great advice because I just never got tempted like that. What about you? We are cut from the same cloth. Because I just didn't did. have the temptation to fight. I just didn't care enough about all this luxury, quote unquote, luxury goods that everybody seems to have. So I don't know what to tell you. Just buy things that are useful. Don't waste it on bullshit. And temptation, you know it's temptation, so don't give into it. Yeah, man. Whenever you want to avoid temptation, you want to create certain barriers between you and whatever that is making you tempted. So for you, I mean, you may want to create another debit card that you don't touch. It's just called your emergency fund. Um, but you just want to create some distance. And I mean, that's about it, man. Uh, uh, not too sure buy some to bitcoin my friend yeah the, fill your mind with like what assets can you buy because your iphone once you buy it the second that you use it it lowers in value so think like how can i buy something that increases in value think assets well that's good it, advice that's really really good advice yeah, i would really assets, hope man. the guy takes it yeah and if you are going to like, let's say you really want to just buy something just because I don't know, you have some sort of addiction with shopping, buy like some, like a good clothes, invest in that because that's something that is evergreen. Like you could wear it um, and it'll increase your opportunities. It, it, it enhances your perception. So if you are trying to buy an iPhone, but your clothes have like holes in it and stuff, upgrade your wardrobe with evergreen stuff. Or buy assets. That's it. Um, that is all, my friend. Uh, really good episode. Very fun. Um, and I guess I'll see you in two weeks. Likewise, brother. Great to have you. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. If you're a listener, give us a like, comment, subscribe, whatever. If you have a question, leave it in the comment section below and we'll answer it. Have a great day and we'll see you guys in two weeks.